Um, and we're going to celebrate prayer. I mean, it's so cool. Uh, you know, Corey put this well, is it that we get to go to God, the creator of everything that there is, and he wants us to engage in relationship and go to him. It's incredible when you think about that. Um, Father Richard Fox says this. He says, meditation introduces us to the inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means. Study transforms our minds, but it is prayer that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. For the Christian, prayer is our connection to the power source, as you saw with Corey. Uh, that, that's how we get power, and it's, it's when we're connected to God. And, and when we get unplugged, then we don't shine the same. You know, and I'm going to use a, a similar thing where, you know, th- you can see right here the light shining on the cross, and you actually get to get to see multiple crosses because of the light shining. And it's not that th- the cross goes away. It's not that we don't stop living as Christians. We just don't shine nearly as brightly when we aren't plugged in to our power source. We're plugged in, we have more power, we're more visible, we're more seen, we're able to uh, enter into this community of ours and make a bigger difference because it's not us, it's him working through us and doing amazing things. So our connection to God is through prayer is extremely, extremely important. William Carey was a missionary to India. He said this, he said, prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness incredibly important that we examine our prayer lives and 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 we seek God and that when we seek to every way that we can to grow nearer to him the root for us is found in prayer to pray is to change and of all the spiritual disciplines prayer is the most central because it keeps us in communion with our father it keeps us in connection to God and to who he is and we want to be aligned with where he's going. <laughs> we better be engaged in listening and, and, and that relationship with him so that we can move in that direction. He'll transform our lives, change our lives if we'll engage in prayer deeply. And if we're unwilling to change, then you'll probably not pray much. Because if you pray, change is coming. If you're engaging in prayer and, and you're seeking God's will in your life and, and you're engaging in a relationship with him, He will not leave you where you are. He's going to move you to a new place because he promises us a new life. And that means new things. And that's cool. And it's amazing. But sometimes we get scared. And so we back off of of the promise that he gives to us. Sometimes prayer will change our external circumstances. Sometimes that happens. Not always. But prayer will always change our internal circumstances. Anybody been on a mission trip? international mission trip, any mission trip, where you went in thinking one thing, I'm going to go help those people, right? Went to Nicaragua some years ago in Guatemala. Actually, <laughs> every mission trip probably that I've been on, uh, I go in thinking I'm going to help those people. And we had a conversation similar to this uh, this week. Um, what happens at the end? Y- changes who? What? Wait, now we're going in to help those people. And in that process, something changes in us. See, prayer and engaging in, 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 in the work of God will always have that, that impact on us. Yeah, sometimes it'll help others and it will change some external circumstances, but it will consistently change us and draw us nearer to him and, and soften our heart. 
prayer sets us free. Now, there's a lot in the Bible about prayer. So it says, ask and ye shall receive, seek and, you know. So why don't we always get what we want? The Bible speaks to that too, James 4, verse 3. It says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, which are your desires. So if we are to ask rightly, then we need transformed desires or changed desires. We need to align with where God is. And in, in, in real prayer, that's what happens. God elevates what we want to, the, to his plane, and we begin to want the things that he wants. We begin to seek the things that he seeks. We begin to love the people that he loves. We begin to, to follow in the places that he wants us to go. Here I am, send me. And we live that out. But we continue when we continue to align. But without prayer, none of that's going to happen. None of that's going to happen. If we don't engage in prayer and seeking of God, we have to move it from one of the things really to being the primary thing that we do. You know, God wants to know, he wants to involved in all of our life, and that includes the little stuff. He wants to be a part of all of our life. But we sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, go, well, that's just a little thing. I don't really need to ask God about that. I'm just going to do what, what I think I'm supposed to do and not ask God in. But we need to ask God in. Jesus did. Mark 1.35, in the morning, a great day, a great while before day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. It was, it was common for Jesus to go to a quiet place, to go to a place of solitude where he could spend time in communion with the Father. And Jesus is our model. Jesus is our goal. And carving that time out is important. For David, it was, it was important. It got him out of bed. Psalm 63.1, early will I seek thee. Early in the morning. That's, that's when we get up. We wake up seeking God from the start where we enter into our day, asking God into the day and, 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 and that he'll walk with us and that he'll guide us and lead us and, and take care of the things that need to be taken care of in our life and be a part of our journey. It was a priority for the disciples. This is out of Acts chapter 6. Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food, and the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. And what they said pleased the whole community. You see, Jesus was very clear that we are to take care of the widows and the orphans and the least and the lost and to be engaged in helping those who, who need a helping hand. So it wasn't that that wasn't important because it was Jesus gave it to us. When Jesus gives us something, that's pretty important. So, so it was an important piece to the puzzle. But for the disciples, this is how important prayer and study was for them. They, they had a group that could do the, the helping hand ministry, so they, assi- they went out and did that while the disciples prayed and studied the word. They elevate what prayer is supposed to be and elevated that to a new, to a new place. But I'm too busy to pray. Oh, none of y'all are? Martin Luther, interestingly, would take that on, and he would tell you, yeah, 
my life is so busy that I can't get through it unless I spend the morning in three hours of prayer to start my day. I don't do that. Figure I better confess that. But that's when, our, when we get busy, we pray more, right? Increase our, our prayer life. John Wesley says God does nothing except through prayer. David Brainerd, he was an American missionary in Native America, uh, uh, to the Native Americans here in this country in the 1700s. I love to be alone in my cottage where I can spend much time in prayer. I set apart this day for secret fasting and prayer to God. And it goes on and on. The, those who came before, those, those who are our forefathers and, and those who are our foremothers, uh, they, they spent time in prayer. It was important for them to engage with God. It was critical for their faith journey. And it's critical for ours as well. And it's easy to hear these stories. And I know I, you know, when I read a, something like I did this week about Martin Luther, who spends three hours a day in prayer, I'm like, wow. I don't even know how you do that, you know, it, it and still get your day going. It can be discouraging. It's like, I don't know if I can spend three hours in prayer. I mean, I can spend three hours in prayer, but then I wouldn't get my work done in my head. So I can get discouraged, and I know that that happens sometimes. But what if instead of beating ourselves up around our shortcomings or our discouragement, we took it as a challenge? And we grabbed hold of it and said, God always meets us where we are and takes us a step further. We're on a journey together. We call our, our discipleship series The Journey because it's a journey. We're all in different places, and where we are is where we are. But know that as we seek God, he's going to move us just a little bit. Might move us a lot, but usually it's just a little bit closer to him. And as we seek him, he'll move just a little bit closer. You know, and then we might take a step back, but then he'll draw us nearer again. So this is a process for us. So be encouraged that this is, there was a, a guy named Martin Luther who was able to spend three hours in prayer every day before his, he went about his day. And if that's a goal that God puts on our heart, then that's a goal. Maybe it's ten minutes in prayer to start with. That's a step. But then maybe it's eleven and then fifteen, you know. And we begin this journey. And we'll help with that because we'll do some half-day prayers and, and, and some hour-long prayers. Could you not tarry an hour? We can pray pretty easily for an hour. And we'll begin to develop those things here because that's, I, I know that it can be daunting. And when we do things together, we can go, oh, that's how. And that's an important part to those. Don't give up, I guess is my message. Don't give up. Look for the hope. Find the hope because there's hope in the midst of it. Whatever's going on, the, it's back to that same thing. That all of these guys, Martin Luther, John Wesley, David Brainerd, uh, William Carey, all of those guys were ordinary people that God did extraordinary things with. Ordinary people, just like you, just like me, and God is the one who did the extraordinary thing with them. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. That's what he will do in our lives. Don't, let, don't get defeated from the outside. It's like, ah, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. What's the next right thing? What's the next right thing? And just do that. And trust God that, that he'll move it where it needs to go. Some folks um, believe that God doesn't answer prayer because everything's already decided, right? There's some theology out there that says that. Um, 
God is in control of everything and every outcome is preordained by him. I think the Bible speaks against that because the Bible speaks several times about people who prayed and it had a dramatic difference. There is this guy in the Old Testament, his name was Moses. Anybody here heard of Moses? Yeah. Uh, He was, you know, first in a, a... Hebrew, then he was an Egyptian, then he was a Hebrew again. And then he, he was a, a, a baby that they put in a thing that wrote, went down a river. You remember the story? Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. <laughs> you got it? Okay. Moses. <laughs> I rabbit trail periodically. I know y'all don't know that. Um, went up this mountain to talk to... Um, God, that was it, went up the mountain to talk to God. And while he's up there, the Israelites had just left Egypt, and they're freaking out because Moses is gone, and he's been up on the mountain for a while, and what is going to happen? And so they go to Aaron, and they say, Aaron, Moses is missing. He's been abducted by aliens, and we don't know what, it, what's, what to do. So, so we're gonna, we need something to worship. You know, like in Egypt, we had those uh, weird-looking dog uh, statue guys and, and all those things, you know. And, and so we need something tangible to worship. And Aaron, of course, being the solid follower of Yahweh, immediately said, bring me all your gold and we'll melt it and we'll make something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so they brought him his gold, and they made a golden calf. So you do know the story. It's a good, yeah. So they made this golden calf, and they started worshiping that calf. And, and you know what God, what happened with God, right? God was none too happy. God is like, I'm going to destroy them and wipe them out. And you know what Moses did? He did this thing called intercessory prayer. And he prayed to God not to do that. And God's response Let me get it right. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. Prayer matters. Jonah. Some of y'all saw me as Jonah, right? And and, in the trunk or treat, I look just like Jonah. There's a little known fact. Um, He and I are are long lost relatives. Uh, He didn't drive a Prius. Um, He was uh, on a camel. Um, Oh, it's your Prius. Yeah, but it was a good whale. It was nice. Um, so, <laughs> so Jonah, he go, he's, it, Lord says, go to Nineveh and tell these guys that they need to get their stuff together because they're, I'm going to wipe them out. And so he does. He, Jonah goes, and he goes to Nineveh, and he says, uh, the Lord ain't happy with you, and if you don't do something, he's just going to wipe you out. And they go, uh-oh, that's not good. Getting wiped out is not good. And then it was big. It was three days' walk across, if I remember correctly. It was a big city. And the people began to repent. They put on sackcloth and ashes, which is not a common garment that we do today, but it was a mourning clothes. They put on sackcloth and ashes, and, and they went into mourning. And then the king heard about it, and the king immediately did the same. And they went into mourning about, oh, we don't want to get wiped out. We're sorry. And they put on sackcloth and ashes. And you know what God did? Which upset Jonah to no end, by the way. 
It did. Jonah got really mad and went up on a hill and sat under a little palm tree and frowned and stuff. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Does prayer matter? Prayer matters. Let me grab this little Bible. If my people, among whom my name is called upon, who are called by my name, do humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear in heaven and be merciful to their sin and will heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear their prayer and I will heal their land. It's powerful. Prayer is powerful. Second Chronicles 7.14. It's a great passage of Scripture. Prayer matters. And we're co-laborers. Did you know that? That, that we, we and God are co-laborers to the harvest. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We are co-laborers with God. We're part of it. We're a part. How cool is that? We're a part of what God wants to do in this world and in this community and in this, in this church, inside, outside. We're part of it. Sometimes we get to plant, sometimes we get to water, but God provides the growth. We are to change the world by prayer and service. Prayer is a verb. Think of it that way. Prayer with feet. It's important to, to have that quiet prayer time, but we've got to put feet on our prayers too and be in service. I want to focus the rest of this morning on intercessory prayer, but please know and and. Um, Celebration of Discipline is a great resource for you. I hope that you get it and that you're in it and that you're, you're studying as we go through the, the um, series that's, that's coming out of that book. But Foster himself says there's so much material on prayer and there's, so, there's a lot of different ways to pray and a lot of different kinds of prayer. Um, so do research. The great thing about that is that, that we're on a lifelong journey and prayer is a big part of that. So we get to continually learn and grow in the area of prayer, but I want to spend time with intercessory prayer, uh, kind of to close out the message this morning. And that's really is just praying effectively for others to intercede on their behalf, kind of like Moses did. Moses interceded on behalf of the uh, Israelites, and God didn't wipe them out. And here's the great news about prayer: we can learn to pray. You don't have to already know, you know, you remember what the disciples did with Jesus, right? Lord, teach us to pray. It's in Luke 11, uh, 1. He was praying in a certain place. After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. We get to learn how to pray. You don't have to already know. All of us have been in a prayer group, and we've been there, and somebody that is one of those prayers, you know, you know some of those prayer guys that they start, and it's like, 
wow. I wish I could pray like that. Oh, Lord, thou who holds the world in thy hand and who brings forth such bounty. Well, maybe not that, but, but they, they, they just are able to, you know, the prayer flows and, and, and it's just, you know, they, they have that ability and we all kind of go, oh, wow, I can't do that. I'm, I'm just going to let other people pray because I can't seem to do that. Keep practicing because the more that we pray, the more that we seek God, the more it becomes fluent. Anybody learn a foreign language before? Yeah, did you just know that language? What did it take? Study. It took practice. It took hanging out with people who spoke that language, right? Uh, those are all critical elements of learning how to pray. You want to learn how to pray? Hang out with people who pray, right? I mean, it's pretty logical, you know, but we, for some reason we think that we're just going to know how to do that. No, keep practicing, keep learning, keep seeking. It's something that we learn over time. And if our prayer life is dry and non-productive, uh, maybe we need to examine some new ideas about prayer. Maybe we need to ask some folks in our life who are able, who, who are, you know, those kind of prayers who, who, who it seems like they, they get their prayers answered and, and, and they're able to do this. Connect, connect with them and, and learn from them. Learn how to go about praying. Let me read a little bit from the book because there's something that really challenged me. And, and this celebration of discipline, just so you know, I, I'm challenging you to engage with it because it's challenging. You know, it's going to push you in some areas. This is one of mine. Uh, I took the Gospels and cut out, this is Foster. I took the Gospels and cut out every reference to prayer and pasted them onto sheets of paper. When I could read Jesus' teaching on prayer at one sitting, I was shocked. Either the excuses and rationalizations for unanswered prayer I had been taught were wrong or Jesus' words were wrong. I determined to learn to pray so that my experience conformed to the words of Jesus rather than to try to make his words conform to my impoverished experience. Foster was attempting to move deeper in his prayer life, but deep calls to deep. So he's attempting to go deeper. He goes on, perhaps the most astonishing characteristic of Jesus' praying is that when he prayed for others, he never concluded it by saying, if it be thy will. Nor did the apostles or the prophets when they were praying for others. They obviously believed that they knew what the will of God was before they prayed the prayer of faith. They were so immersed in the Holy Spirit that when they encountered a specific situation, they knew what should be done. That's why we hear in the, in the New Testament, stand, rise, be healed. I saw that when praying for others, there was evidently no room for indecisive, tentative, half-hoping, if-it-be-thy-will prayers. Wow. Now, that it does say there is a time for those prayers. One is when we're seeking the will of God, prayers for guidance, then we certainly, if-it-be-thy-will, is a part of that, or what he calls a relinquishment prayer, where we're letting, like Jesus in the garden. He, he knew that the Father was calling him to the cross, um, but he still prayed the prayer, right? Says that, you know, if it be thy will, nevertheless, thy will be done. Um, but is that a challenging teaching or what? It requires of me to seek to understand whether I'm completely in line with the will of God when I pray. 
I pray a lot. I pray for a lot of folks. You, you know, it's kind of the role of a pastor and when folks get sick and, and, you know, and you pray for folks and you pray for healing and you pray all of these things. But I don't see very many people stand up and, you know, rise. And I, you know, I don't see broken limbs come back together and those kind of miracles. I believe in those things. So the challenging part of this is, okay, what's going on with my prayer life or, or my, my life with God that I'm not aligned with his will enough that I'm not seeing those kinds of things happen. And so I'm in a process of examination for me of that. Are there areas in my life where I'm not attuned? I'm not listening to God in the midst of prayer because it's easy to get in a habit prayer. Yeah, y'all, you know, you know, you're in a circumstance and you kind of pray a similar thing all the time. Instead of going, okay, Lord, what do you want me to pray in this circumstance? And pay attention. See, I was left with this reality, and it's still, I'm struggling with it. It staggers me about who I am. See, I, I, I tell you all that ordinary to extraordinary thing, but I wrestle with that because I know my past. I know the things I've done. And the enemy likes to remind me of that stuff. But does God really want to do extraordinary things through might and divine? Knowing who I am and where I come from. Recovering addict and all that stuff. All the people I've hurt. Then I go, yeah, I believe that. And then I go, but who am I to think that, you know? Who am I to desire those kinds of things? See, I often think that I see myself differently than God sees me. I see myself as less than what God sees me. And I don't think I'm the only one in the room. I don't think that's just me. Because what he tells me is this. Mike, you're my child. That's who I am. I'm a child of God. He tells me that I'm loved and empowered by him to make a difference in lives and in this place. That's what he tells me. He tells me to trust him in all things, even the broken shoelace things. He tells me that he will do great things with this broken life of mine if I'm willing to let go. If I'm willing to follow him all the way. And I'm convinced that he's saying the same thing about each and every one of you. No matter where you come from, up, down, or sideways, even Lynn Gallagher. God wants to use you and I to impact others. He wants to be able to do answer those kind of prayers in our lives. He wants us to impact the world in ways we can't even understand. I'm, I guarantee you, if you'd have asked the disciples, those original 11 
said, okay, here's what's going to happen is that there's going to be in a few thousand years billions of people who came to know Jesus because of you. They would not have understood that. That's how our God works now. That's how he, what he wants to do. And all of that begins with the believer's prayer. Got to pray. Quiet our minds, quiet our activities, listen for that still small voice of God. Respond to what he gives us. Those promptings. See, Jesus taught us to come like children to their parent. Children just trust that their parent is going to be there. They know it. That has to be unlearned. They're born with that, that their parent is going to be there. And if when we're praying, someone pops in our head and we're listening for God, that prompt is a prayer prompt to pray for them, to reach out to them, whatever it is. Walk to Emmaus. We pray for everything. <laughs> we, we pray for the speakers. We pray for the talks. Uh, we pray for the families of the pilgrims. We have a prayer chapel that while talks are going on, there's prayer. There's a, people are praying throughout every hour of the whole weekend. It's covered in prayer. Prayer is the underneath of it all. And often when, when I talk with folks about uh, what do I do when I'm in the prayer chapel, I'll, I'll let them know this, is you start praying and, and you listen and, and, if, and if you're prompted, if you're praying for someone, a, a pilgrim who's on the walk and God puts family, you know, the thought about family, pray for the family. Puts a thought about job or their work, pray for their work. Trust that God is going to be in that process. Because prayer is powerful, and God, when we get in that place where we're listening and we're attuned to him, he will give us those prompts, and he will speak to us, and he will guide us, and he will lead us. Some things we know are within the will of God. God wants us to have healthy marriages. He wants our families to be healthy, and, 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 and we can pray with, with strength about that and knowing that that's within the will of God. For our church leaders and pastors, pray for them. They need prayer, but pray for them. We know that he wants a strong church. We pray for our children and grandchildren to grow up to come to know the Lord, right? We want them to be saved. And God says, I would that all would be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. We can pray against evil in the world. Some things we can pray. Others, we have to listen. We have to hear. So we spend some time in meditation like we talked about last week so that we can hear what God speak to us and guide us. And we move that into action and prayer. And don't let the enemy rob you. I've done that far too long in my life and far too often, and I rebuke him. He has no say-so in my life, and he has no say-so in your life. And you can grab hold of that. You can hang on to that. If he starts to remind you about stuff you've done, just remind him about what's going to happen to him in the end because he's going in a lake of fire. <laughs> so, so, so just know, you know, don't let him rob you of who you are. Too often we, grab, we listen to that voice that says, Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, that he would care to, he feel, to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart? Not because of who I am. It's not because of that 
because of what he's done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who he is. See, we're a flower quickly fading. Here today and gone tomorrow. It's like a wave tossed in the ocean. It's like a vapor in the wind. Still, you hear me when I'm calling. And you catch me when I'm falling. I am yours. Amen. Let's sing, a, sing that song. If you'll stand and join.